You're listening to After Daycare Drop-Off, the podcast for working moms, like you and like me. Today we're talking with Haley. She's married, has a one-year-old daughter, and is working in human resources. Let's check in with her. Hi, Haley. Hello. Can you hear me now? Of course I can. Awesome. Okay. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast. How are you? Thank you. I'm good. How are you? Fantastic. Good. What's What's your drink of choice today? Um, I have a Sam Adams cherry wheat. Ooh, that sounds good. I got it. Oh, it was around Christmas, but I got too many. So now I have to drink them. That's like the worst where you get excited mm-hmm. for Oktoberfest beers and you buy all of them. Yes. And then immediately it's time for Christmas and you're like, I'm tired of that kind. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> but it's nice because then I can just go back to it when I'm in the mood. And right now I have a whole bunch of random... Sam Adams and Blue Moons that I can go back to. So that's good. See, I have this one in the fridge. It's this cherry hibiscus one. Mm. It's good, but it's like kind of weird. So it's one of those food too. I don't think I could do that one. Yeah. I'm doing just tea today because this weather, man, Uh is like sinus nonsense. Uh I feel like like I need my tea. (laughs) Mm hmm. Sleep tea, and it just makes me think of that chamomile tea commercial with like JJ Watt. (laughs) Act like I don't know that one. It's hilarious. (laughs) So, aside from having an abundance of Sam Adams, I know Uh something exciting has happened in your life recently, and that is your daughter turned one. Yes, she did. Tell me about kind of how crazy Uh, that was to kind of be like, oh shit. What um, yeah, that happened quick. I I always go back to that quote of the days are long, but the years are short. Oh my god! Which is what I told myself every time I was up in the middle of the night feeding her when she was young, because I knew someday I would look back on it. But at the time, I was like, Oh my god, this is hell! Yeah. I can't go without sleep. So um, yeah, looking back, I'm like, Well, that was the longest and shortest year of my life. At the same time, I don't know any other way to describe it. So um, she, I think during her birthday, she was getting over RSV, uh, but she was still in good spirits and loved her cake and all her little guests. So it went really well. And I still can't believe that she is over one year old now. It went way too quick. And see that. And yours will be one like what next month? Yeah. uh, At the end of this month on the 30th. Oh boy. Oh boy. I know. I know. It, mm-hmm. it, it's like these milestones cause you to be like, oh my gosh, what happened? And mm-hmm. you're, you're they do. with that quote. Like I've heard that before and I wish I would have thought about it more when I was like, oh my gosh. Cause mm-hmm. I can tell you exact moments. I remember down to the detail of rocking her or trying to get her to go to sleep and thinking, oh my Lord, I don't think I can have another kid after this. She's going to be an only child. I can't do this again. And then that quote would pop in my head. I'd be like, okay, I need to just remember to enjoy these moments 
And uh, right now I have a friend in the in a, the same boat. Her daughter's a week old and she is mm-hmm. just beside herself with no sleep. Last night she finally slept three hours in a row. And it was like the greatest thing that ever happened to Logan. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like the further you get away from it, like you remember, mm-hmm. but it's less like that pain is less. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you're fine. You'll get through it. You're at the hardest part. She messaged me on day four, I think. And I was like, oh, the cluster feeding. I'm like, yeah, this is the hardest part. Uh, you don't have a choice but to just, like, go with it. And I promise it gets better. I know. Poor girl. Well, and, like, everyone's so sweet and they want to visit. And you're like, I feel like I'm going to die. That's what I said. I said, don't let people come down. And if they do, put them to work. Like, don't be afraid and... She's like, I just can't get any sleep. And then when I do, I have to get up and do things. I'm like, no, you don't. Your one goal right now is to feed that baby and sleep. That's it. That's your only goal for the first month. <laughs> well, your husband can do everything else. Yeah. Well, I think it was Andy that said this. Well, I mean, I know it was, but mm-hmm. she, we were talking similarly about like adding another child and just how you mm-hmm. like, you get tricked because it gets far, far enough away. Yep. Where these, like, the bad part. I mean, it's not bad, but just the hard part. Mm-hmm. Gets, you forget. Yeah. So, uh-huh. it's like, they trick you. <laughs> like, that's true. Because mm-hmm. now, I'm sure you're at the same point, too. I mean, honestly, people ask you, like, you're, oh, God. you're wheeling out of the hospital. Like, oh, you're going to have another one? You're like, dude, let me, like, figure I know. this out first. Let me heal this C-section scar first. Yeah. And then I will get back yeah. to you. Let me be able to stand up all the way straight. That would be nice. Well, mm-hmm. I, I even stopped by my neighbor's house today just to chat for a few minutes. And I brought Anna with me. And they're like, oh, so you're going to have another one? I'm like, yes. I'm like, I haven't talked to you for months. So why yeah. are you asking me? It is crazy that you have one. And then they say, when are you going to have another? And you have a second one. And then they immediately say, you're done though, right? Like, you can't win. No. Ever. Mm-mm. No. Whatever. I know. Just my. I'll figure it out in time. Yeah. What'll happen will happen. And. We'll freak exactly. Thing, right? Exactly. <laughs> I'm just happy to have one. Right? Well, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you feel the same way because it's like, well, she's so awesome. Like, yeah, that's, I guess that is exactly like, will I even love another kid this much? Like, I truly wonder that all the time. I know. Isn't that terrible? No. Well, and that's the thing is I know it's possible. Other moms do it. But like, how? I don't understand that yet. Um, and I, so I don't, I don't know. But I think about that all the time. Yeah, is that like is that why the oldest kid is sometimes the favorite? I don't know. But but then I am the oldest kid, and I've never felt like I was the favorite. My mom always like treated Hayden like he was the favorite. But I think it's just also because he's the baby, and that was her last kid. Yeah, that's how my so I make the joke that like she still like fluffs his baked potato. <laughs> well, she's so, like she's you never woman. treated me like this. Gosh, mom, this this sounds very familiar. <laughs> yeah, it does, doesn't it? It's like, well, because you know you have to wait to do all the stuff, and then your sibling, oh yeah, gets to do everything when you get to do it. It's like he's three years oh, my younger gosh, than yeah. me. What's the deal? Hayden got a cell phone before me, and he's seven years younger. Oh my god, that's crazy. He was a baby. I was sixteen, so I was driving, and he was nine. And he opened, there's a tape of it. He opened a cell phone on Christmas morning. And I'm thinking, oh my God, where's mine? Like, I can't wait. And it was a flip phone, of course. Right. And then I realized I was at a presence and I'm on camera and I look at my dad, like, 
are you freaking kidding me? And my dad dead serious says to me, well, Haley, he rides his bike all over town. I said, dad, I have a car. I'm driving all over for football games. He's like, well, I didn't think of that. I'm like, are you guys kidding me right now? <laughs> like, how does this happen? You're like, I've converted this VHS to DVD for the memories. Yeah. But okay, Hayden gets on his Huffy and all of a sudden he gets a cell phone. Right. All right. <laughs> God, I'm so mad about it. You can't tell. No, it's fair. It's a yeah. you think too. It's like, you know, these things like fester. It's like, all right, mm-hmm. here's all the things I want to make sure I don't do to my mm-hmm. kids. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Like, when I was pregnant with Anna, I, I've got to find this list. But I started this list of, like, all the things my children will know how to do. Because whether it be with work and someone's like, uh-huh. I don't know what, you know, I don't know how, how to open up an IRA. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Or Because oh, you had to do it yourself. Yeah. Yep. Or like, Same oh, here. I don't know how to change a tire. I'm like putting it down in the list for my future children. You're going to learn all these things before you leave for college. Like I, I knew a it. family. <laughs> I knew a family that before they would let their kid take their, um, or all their kids actually take their driving test. They had to learn to change the oil on their own, change a tire and something else. And I remember thinking that was really extreme. And now looking back, I'm like, that is so smart. I know we have to remember these things when we, I know. Like, yeah. Get so busy. Yeah, but by then, like, will they have tires on automatic cars, flying cars? Like, I don't know. Well, for your sake, I hope so. Well, yeah, (laughs) that's true. true. (laughs) I uh, read an article the other day about self-driving cars and how um, they're, like, coming. They're coming. They're being made. And how um, they will drive more miles because of it, so more tires will be needed. Which I thought was good news. That is good news. (laughs) For you. Well, Mm -hmm. so... You know, as far as you want to get into it, tell me about your job in human resources. Yes, I work in HR at a tire company, and I am a corporate recruiter uh, for sales, marketing, and supply chain. I've also done some engineering positions there, um, IT, finance, pretty much any position we've had. And I basically started up the recruiting department because previous to me, we used an outsourced recruiting department. Oh. Um, So I was recruited by a recruiter to start recruiting, which is a mouthful. Yeah. Um, And so I didn't know at the time that I took the position, that's what was going to happen. But I had been on the job, I think, two months. And my boss uh, quit to be a stay-at-home mom. Okay. So I was just left to kind of do my own thing. I did eventually get another boss who was super awesome. And she knew, she's like, you know, I don't know much about recruiting. I'm going to kind of let you do what you think is best. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how we worked for the next two years um, before she moved on to another position. And that was just a really great experience. Um, Cause I had to really learn how to what we needed when we needed it I was just put in that position and had to learn on the fly basically oh my gosh yeah so so here we are five years later yeah I think we're we're finally uh, uh I wouldn't say a well-oiled machine but we're at the point where things are working how they should and we're able to do fun things like maybe work on adding like an employee referral program where if you have enough referral and they get hired you get like a thousand dollars oh nice um 
Yep. And, uh, you know, other things like talent pipelines. We have a whole university relations group. Um, So really fun things like that, which to me are fun. Well, yeah. So when you think about how you kind of started with nothing, it's kind of surprising giving, Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess that they were outsourcing, but given the size of the company you work for, Mm -hmm. there wasn't a well-oiled machine already. Mm -mm. How did you even tackle that? Um, uh, so the biggest part was just educating the people on what I did. Um, a lot of people thought I was like a headhunter for even other positions, which no, I was, you know, just for Cooper. Um, and a lot of my position is, I, I kind of look at it as think like a marketer, act like a recruiter. Um, you have to market the job, the company brand awareness is big, um, and so a lot of it was educating hiring managers and just like letting them know and what I was there to do and working with them. I kind of put as much responsibility on them to fill their positions as I do myself. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I, I do think it's a partnership for sure. Yeah. So I really had to start with just educating them on what I'm going to do, what I expect them to do. And then just having a few successes um, really, really helped. I, I mean, everything, everybody was pretty much a skeptic because they had a really bad experience with the people we outsourced. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of started off, I wouldn't say on a bad foot, but um, a, a definite, it was, they didn't have a good experience. So I guess I started off at the bottom and I couldn't go any further down, <laughs> which was almost good. So um, here we are five years later and uh, we've gone through a few employee changes, but I now have a coworker who is like the Cooper cheerleader of all time. So it's been pretty great. Well, I'm, I hope you've seen, but I've been watching your guys' stuff on LinkedIn. Oh, okay. Like the student level stuff you've been doing as far as Mm -hmm. teaching them early and even younger than like ready to work. Um, Yeah. So that is like what, that's what we call like the dream team. Mm -hmm. I don't like that name, but um, if you think about it, I love my job. I know a lot of people at Cooper love their job, um, but no kid or we, we target eighth graders. They don't know that there's jobs in manufacturing. Mm-hmm. They don't think of that. They think when they drive by Cooper, we all walk in and have a time card stamped and we work on like the line. Mm-hmm. So when we go tell them like what we do and Hey, like we have degrees or these people have associate's degrees. They are just so confused because when you grow up, you hear like, do you want to be a doctor or a scientist or, you know, any of those fields, an engineer, you never hear about things like a business intelligence analyst Mm -hmm. or um, a recruiter. I never heard of that job until after college. So um, we're just kind of educating them on the past they have and not all of them are degreed. And I think that's super important right now is as you're raising your kids, if they're not into college, there's so many other avenues they can take and still have an awesome job that's so true because I don't, uh-huh. I don't know if you remember this but my husband works in manufacturing and he mm-hmm. you know we all went to school together so mm-hmm. he does have a degree and they are always trying to find talented machinists and uh-huh. makers which yep are not skilled trades yeah skilled trades and can't find them it's it, they're so competitive and so in demand mm-hmm. that the people that are doing those jobs are in uh-huh. one of a good spot because they can really pick where they want to be, but 
Oh yeah. The, the yeah, they make the- more at Cooper than I make. They make more coming into Cooper on their first day than I probably make in a year right now. <laughs> um, and if they had a bad day, they could literally leave, go somewhere else to get the same job within the next week. Mm-hmm. That's how in demand they are. Yeah. Well, and it's an aging population. And mm-hmm. like you said, it's either, you know, kids don't know that it's an option or even like the uh, vocational stuff is kind of yeah. fading away in a lot of communities. Yeah, they're taken out of school. So they don't, the kids don't know. Yeah. And it, it's terrible because they think like, well, I'm not college material. What can I do? I'm no good. And it's like, no, like you have so much skill that I wouldn't have. You mm-hmm. know? Well, and seriously, how's the kids supposed to be sitting there and just like dream up a concept of being a, a machinist? Like you have yeah. to show them. You have to show <laughs> yeah. them that it's okay. I would love to work on making molds. That's just what I'm sitting here dreaming about. <laughs> like they're yeah. not going to dream it up out of nowhere. I know. And, yeah. So that's like, yeah, we do a lot of that at Cooper. So um, that's one of my favorite things about the job is just educating people on what we have to offer. Because we literally have, I bet under our one roof, a job for any person besides like the medical field that's pretty impressive really Mm -hmm. yeah and so how how many people are you recruiting like how many positions are you helping the hiring managers with like a year Uh, (laughs) a year um like at any given time we have about 50 Mm -hmm. so through the year I don't know 100 to 150 for me and then my coworker probably about the same. That's crazy. Yeah, it's a lot. So when you're recruiting, you know, obviously you said you're working with the hiring manager to kind of discuss what it is they want, what they're looking for, set expectations. But mm-hmm. when it comes time to interview, do you or do you do the pre-screening or do you hand them off at a certain point? And how does that work? So I do all the phone interviews mm-hmm. for uh, my positions. And unless the hiring manager wants to do them, if they're like a really technical position, um, then they're able to find out within five minutes if they're good or not, whereas it would take me a lot longer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do a majority of the phone interviews for my areas. Okay. What's the most interesting one you've had so far? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that you can tell. Uh, oh. <laughs> the pregnant lady comes to mind. She was awesome and it was for a brand new marketing position that we have that we're going to be opening and she had mentioned she was pregnant and so she was going to be on maternity leave soon Uh, but she could still come in and interview if we needed her to and so obviously I got to talking to her about being pregnant and I said you know so when did you do and she said oh about any day now (laughs) I said oh okay she goes my water broke actually this morning (laughs) I went like today. Yeah. And I went, what? And she goes, yeah, my husband's on his way home. It's fine. I go, oh my gosh. And I said, are you having a boy or girl? She said, oh, it's twins. I thought, oh my Lord. (laughs) And she nailed this phone interview sitting there after her water broke, waiting for her husband to come get her and take her to the hospital. She still kept it and everything. I could not believe it. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I know. Women are amazing. It's like, I want to like shake her hand. Me too. Me too. I have to meet her in person, but I sat there the whole time like, is this real life? Like, am I being bunked? <laughs> yeah, she was awesome. So good for her, and everything went well. I talked to her a couple weeks later, and it wasn't 
there first so she kind of knew what she was getting into anyways but it's twins so yeah like you you know a little bit but it's gonna yeah i guess when you assume if you're gonna have twins well maybe it's not a given but like probably gonna be a c-section so she's like i kind of know what's gonna happen yeah i think i think you're right um and she didn't seem at all concerned because when she told me her water broke i'm just i was like you need to go right now She's like, my husband's on his way home. We'll be fine. Like, you go eat a snack <laughs> okay. quick, because you're not going to get one. <laughs> yeah. She, yeah. Let's get some jello, girl. No, my, my water broke at home, like, when dinner was about to be ready. And I took those enchiladas on the road with me. I ate them. Oh, good. I did. I didn't do that right, because I started getting contractions um, at, night, like, 3 a.m. or something. <laughs> and I didn't quite know they were contractions until they started throughout the day got stronger and more um consistent Mm -hmm. so for whatever reason I decided that day to keep it light just in case so I think I had like two jello packs that day (laughs) and then went to the hospital that night and obviously didn't eat anything for another like 24 hours (laughs) see I was told that like chances are you're probably gonna go to the bathroom yeah so just eat because it doesn't matter Oh, see, well, I didn't even, yeah, I didn't even get to that point, so <laughs> I really regret that decision of two Jello packets. See, the, the thing I did wrong was I didn't bring Tony any enchiladas. <laughs> I just brought my own. <laughs> I should have brought something because that was a 45-minute drive to our hospital, so I could have ate the whole way. <laughs> you could have ate, like, digested. <laughs> I know. <laughs> next time. I'll do it different next time. Right. So after you do the phone interviews, you hand them off. Do you get to do like the offer or anything like that? Or do you work with so sometimes? Yeah. Sometimes I sit in on the onsite interviews um, as the HR person, just to make sure everything they're saying is consistent with what they've told me. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a big red flag. If you've told me something in the phone interview and on the onsite, all of a sudden it's different. Um, So I always try to take really good notes Um, offers. We, we are really big on letting the hiring manager send the offer at um where I work because it's their person that's joining the team Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. so I really actually like that aspect where it comes from the actual manager yeah um and they love doing it it's so fun because it's like it's not your money but you're like you get to hear the excitement in their voice and yeah I mean you could change someone's life in that phone call it's just like really cool and they love doing it and um I love that they love doing it and, and previous to when I got there, they weren't able to do it. And so I think that was also a big, a big win for them. That's good. Mm-hmm. So working in HR, you probably have opinions about, you know, all the different sites out there as far as like LinkedIn and the premium mm-hmm. where you can see probably it pays this much and Glassdoor and salary. Mm-hmm. What are you, what's your mm-hmm. thoughts on that? And, do they touch your business at all? Oh, they're constantly calling me. I really love LinkedIn. I love all of its features. I love the ability to share company news and find people. Obviously, I use the LinkedIn recruiter seat, which is different from like the normal seat. It's like $10,000 a year or something. Jeez. Uh, yeah, it's real expensive, but it's so effective. Um, but um, Glassdoor is the one I really struggle with. Uh, I am a big believer that only disgruntled people go right to Glassdoor. Mm-hmm. Um, no one's like, you know what? I really love my job for a year. I will go into Glassdoor and write a review. 
Um, that's just not something that happens. Yeah. Uh, so it's usually disgruntled people. Um, and so when I see companies, me personally, if I see companies that have a low score or low CEO approval rating, I don't think much of it. Um, it could be four reviews that were just people that just got laid off in a reorg um, that are upset. So I don't take it too seriously, but I, it's a necessary evil to be on there. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I, that's the one I really struggle with. Do you feel like the salary reports are accurate? Um, for, yeah, for the most part, I would say, um, again, it's based on the area and the industry. Mm-hmm. So where we are, we are right down the street from marathon and it's a completely different industry. So it's always really hard for, for my job specifically because they normally will pay quite a bit more cause it's a, a different industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so when people, you know, try to say, but it's the same community and it's, right down the street and everything it's like well it's not really because it's a different industry they can they can pay more it's just how it is yeah so um that's really hard but i would say for the most part they're pretty on par with those um obviously it's usually a big range so it depends on a lot of things but I, yeah i would say so yeah well because where i work we have uh salary transparency so they're all reported to a database mm. and updated every pay really like with names huh yeah kind of like that yeah well it's government so (laughs) well yeah (laughs) so I I agree I think it's the right thing to do Um, Mm -hmm. but it's so interesting because like I'll have candidates that come in and they can look up anything they want so they they are pretty empowered and yeah have at least an idea of what's feasible and typically when we post positions like right now I've got um I'll have a position on my team opening up. So I'm kind of preparing myself for that kind of conversation as far as what will fit in fairly with the team, but then also making sure that it's specific job and the person and, you know. Yeah, that's hard. We don't have a, a set salary for any of our jobs. It is, we're so open on experience and the level Um, which is awesome and really tough at the same time. So if I ask for like the salary, I might get a $20,000 range. They could say, you know, if you get someone with three years experience, great, but we want to be able to flex if we need to go up to like 10 years experience. Mm -hmm. So um, again, great, but at the same time, kind of hard. Yeah. Well, cause then if somebody comes back and say, Hey, I want this much more, Mm -hmm. you don't have the fallback of that's out of range. It's like, well, correct. We have a huge range. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So for your job, I've seen that you do do some traveling. Mm-hmm. When is the first time that you traveled after having your daughter? Um, that was a very quick and like sudden trip to, um, they told me Chicago and I was so excited because I've never been. Really? And it was not Chicago. It was North Chicago, which is one hour away from Chicago, but that's apparently what they call themselves. So to this day, I'm not even really sure what town I was in because we, we flew in, we wanted to go meet on site at a um, certain company and kind of learn from uh, like their recruiting department. Um, And we went with our chief HR officer, my boss, who's a VP and then my coworker. Um, So it was a very quick trip. 
flew in the night before our meeting and then flew out after the meeting. So I was only gone a day. That's not too bad. And honest, yeah, it was a really great first trip. Um, I enjoyed it. I loved it. I, you know, my boss asked me, like, how are you going to do with this? And I was excited. I was thrilled to go back to work. I was that weird person that didn't at all have any, like, qualms about it. Mm -hmm. Um, I woke up that day ready to see the day, put on a super cute dress, drove to work. I felt like I was free to, like, be back in myself again. That's not bad at all. That's not weird. No, but no, it is. I will say, though, I think a big part of that is I have a babysitter that comes to the house. That helps. Um, Yes. So I didn't have to, like, leave her with strangers. Um, So we are very lucky to have a babysitter come to the house that I trust with, like, my whole life. So um, she was still here in her house with her dog and her cat. And we had had some test runs before with our babysitter. So um, I knew she would be in good hands. See, that, that is the point thing is, like, I love, love, love our babysitters. Uh-huh. Um, but I bring Anna to them. And that yeah. is, it's gotten a lot better that she's a little older now. But in the beginning, she would just cry. Yeah. A fair amount of the drive. And just, I'm not yeah. a patient person anyway. So when we get stuck uh-huh. in traffic, it was like, yeah. oh, my God, can we just. <laughs> yep. Can we Yeah, just I don't done? have that, thank God. Yeah. That is really nice. Yeah, it is. We got very lucky. Um, In typical fashion, we we got randomly lucky. And um, our babysitter had never babysat before. (laughs) But I had something on Facebook, you know, asking if there was um, anyone that would be willing to do it. A lot of the people around here didn't take babies under one. So I was, yeah, I know. So I was like, oh my God, like I never knew this was a thing. I just thought if you babysat, you could take extra, like an extra kid. I didn't think about it. Um, so our babysitter just one day was like, I might be interested. I've never watched a kid. And I was like, well, come over. We'll just talk briefly. And so uh, my husband and I talked with her and I remember Matt asking like, so have you ever babysat before? And she was like, no, not really. I babysat like a fifth grader before. And Matt's seeing like red flags. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, whatever, because in my normal day, you hire for the person mm-hmm. and you teach them the skill. That's what you do. So in my mind, I thought, well, we've never babysat a newborn before. And here we are. We they sent us home with one. We've never <laughs> done it. We figured it out because we're smart. Yeah. So um, That's what I was just from gonna, then on, I was yeah, gonna Bailey say was your, hired. Your recruiting skills uh-huh. were extra advantageous. <laughs> Yeah, they were because I was like, you know what? She's super reputable. She was an awesome student. Everyone in the community that I talked to about her, like, loved her. Um, And no one had a bad – she was from a good family. She's just a good person. And that's the kind of people that you hire and you teach them what you need to. That's wonderful. Yes. So if anybody tries to steal her closet. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. (laughs) <laughs> I've had some friends try it because they live in Columbus. And when they ask, like, what I pay our babysitter versus, like, what they're paying, they're like, oh, my God, like, I'm going to steal her. I know. Like, like well, I dare you. And that's the thing, too. We we do in-home. And we have friends that take, you know, in her home, not yeah. in home to me. Um, and, you know, there's other children there. And there's other women that um, are part of the team and everything. But when I hear 
about how much people are paying for a traditional daycare, which, Uh you know, that may be the right choice for them, but dang. I don't know how they afford it. My student loans still need to be paid, so I can't pay that too. Yeah. You can't either afford to have a kid if you're going to have to go that route or you can't have a second kid. That's how I look at it. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the, I mean, the debate of like, should people get like these European level, like year off that is paid by who? I don't know. Uh huh. Um, for maternity leave. And it's kind of one of those things where as a mom and even before I became a mom, it was like, I see the logic in saying, well, obviously only women at this point until science does something crazy can have children. So yeah, that's just the way it works. Yeah. That's, I agree with that. I wish the United States would look at, you know, different options for mothers here and make them mandatory. Um, Cause it's so important. Yeah. It's like, but then I can also see, okay, if I'm a small business owner, Correct. Yeah. And if I have my person that works, for example, in sales and she's working and she's getting sales for the business and making money and then she's not there and then there's no sales. It's like, I see that you have to figure that out, but Mm -hmm. it's like, is the solution a kind of a, how we, how we all pay into short-term disability and have it cover Mm -hmm. more things? Because like at the end of the day, it's women who can have babies and that's just how it happens. We all want the human race to continue. Mm-hmm. Like that's how it works. See, I hear that. And I say, yes, she might need time off, but it is so much more expensive to hire and train a new employee. So mm-hmm. you might as well keep your current employee. That's good. And what not happy and healthy uh, because you'll just spend so much money trying to get that new person in the door. Mm-hmm. That's true. Like, I forget what the numbers are that I've heard, but I've heard kind of at least in like the five figures range of where it can get to as far as costing like $10,000 in either lost productivity and then kind of the rest of the staff having to do double duty and then trying to recruit. And especially if you are smaller and you have to hire a recruiter. Uh-huh. Yep. That, and isn't the way it works like when you hire like a recruiting firm, like don't they get like a cut for yeah. a time? So if you use an external recruiter, um, they they probably are pretty good at getting you in the door better than you would be yourself. So, mm-hmm. and you don't pay for them. You don't have to pay for them. The company will then pay you, I think what's average is like 25% of your first year salary. So they're pricey, uh, but, I, you know, and there's some really good ones out there um, and they do do a really good job at getting you in the door that maybe you wouldn't get in yourself, but no, you wouldn't pay for anything, but the company will pay a lot. Well, that's what I mean. Is like, if I have a job open and I hired a recruiter yeah, to find a person for me, then I have to pay them. Yeah. Oh, a lot too. Yeah. Yeah. It's not even worth it. You might as well just keep your current employee happy and uh, maybe just have someone from like a temporary staffing firm try to keep up the accounts while she's gone. Yeah. So do you work with your colleagues on kind of that retention plan too and kind of say like, now we got them in the door, but how do we keep them and keep them to stay? So yeah, we, that's kind of our, like our boss, we have a lot of broad goals for this year and like the, the following years that kind of play into that. Um, we always track like why people leave. So we have good data. Um, it's just a matter of 
how do we get them to stay? So, I mean, the littlest things go such a long way with that. Like, um, just like little parking lot parties that we might have. People love those. Um, or just doing events after work, like maybe a, a company-wide happy hour. So we're throwing around some ideas about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally think the best way to get people to stay is to manage them how you want to be managed yourself and pay them fairly. It's, it's that simple. It truly is that simple to me. And that is seem, that does seem to be like what people leave for as far as like Uh either your boss, Uh not a good fit with you Uh and you find someone who's going to give you more money and you got your carrot and then you go. Correct. Yeah. I completely think it's just that simple. Uh, So many people get, you know, culture confused with job happiness. I personally don't care. They could offer me alcohol at lunch and I'd be like, I don't care. I would rather just be paid fairly um, and competitively. And I want a boss, a boss who is understanding Mm -hmm. and, and helpful. That's it. That's all I want. That's reasonable. Mm Mm-hmm. Tell me, tell me about what either you've seen in your position or some of the stuff that you've negotiated for yourself about work flexibility. I, so I think that, so I'll, I'll start with salary. Um, I think where I work, we need to do a lot better of a job at, nego- at t- handling salary negotiation. Um, I, a person that you might have roomed with freshman year, went mm-hmm. through a interview I believe last year with a new retailer and she said you know I really wanted to make let's say 50,000 or 60,000 I think but they've offered me 50 mm-hmm. and I said nope absolutely not you're not going to accept it I said go back and tell them you know that you want 68 or something or 58 and she's like, I'm, you know, I'm scared. What if I lose the job? And she really needed it because her other job was being eliminated. And I said, they won't. They, they lowball you on purpose and they expect you to come back. So she went back with that and they said, you know what? The best we can do is 55 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the recruiter handled it so well. I was so impressed and I still remember the story, but she said to Katie, she said, you know, I really appreciate how much you value yourself. And I'm really glad that you, you did that. That shows exactly what kind of person we're hiring and I really like that and I just thought that was the nicest thing and the best way to handle that potential because so many people can get annoyed if they come back and they're like no I want this much but it's I think it's important you have to negotiate that salary well and it and it impacts everything following like your marriage increase is on top of that whatever your company does for retirement is going to go on top of that Yeah. So I think the biggest thing is when you start in the beginning, like in your phone interview, if they ask what's your desired range, um, that's a tricky question. But if you are at 50,000 now and you want to be at 60, you tell them that you're not looking to make a move unless it's at least 60,000. Yeah. um, Or 60 to 65,000. And then you have to stick to that number through the process. Don't let them change you or don't let them say, you know, our top range for this is 55. Say, I'm sorry, you know, I really just want to stick at 60 because if they're going to hire you, they're going to make it work. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. I hired a person on my team last year. And this person was like, to be honest, like we didn't interview very many people because this person based on their resume and the yeah. interview was awesome. I'm like, I want this person. 
and uh-huh. I knew that he was interviewing for other positions and mm-hmm. I was like, we got to act fast. And our recruiter was so quick and so helpful. And mm-hmm. it, it was just interesting to recruit for this job because it was new and just kind of different area than where we've been before. But he asked for a number that was lower than what I thought he was worth. Oh. And I'm like, dude, you know, that was interesting. I know. And I was like, no, we're going to pay him this other number. That's more. And I was so surprised as RHR was like, okay. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Now, if he had come and asked for this much more, would you have said yes so easily? But I was just kind of like, we need to make sure we get this person. I want to make sure this person is paid what they should be paid. Yep. And kind of, and I've talked to him afterwards. I was like, why didn't you ask for more? Like, you're worth more than that. And Mm -hmm. he's just kind of like, I don't know. And so I feel like salary is so taboo, but maybe I'm just immune to it now just since my salary has been, you know, in a database for years. So I'm like, I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, but it is. People don't talk about it and it needs to be talked about. I yeah. think. Yeah, like it's not dinner conversation, but it's like Yeah. It so you deserve to know where you things. stand. Yeah, absolutely. And that's really odd because he's a guy and they're usually way more confident in, in the interview process and they ask for more. So I'm really interested in that. Yeah. Well, I'll have, to, I'll have to tell you a little bit more about kind of the the situation because it's it was interesting to me, too, because I read so much about, um, I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of sick how much I read about it, but like, I'm a really big believer about asking for what you're worth and knowing what your worth mm-hmm. is. And yep. when I made the switch from my prior job to the organization I work now, I'll admit I was like ready to do something different and, you know, looking for a new challenge. And mm-hmm. I was just like, how do I get myself motivated? Because I was feeling a little sad about where I was and just, you know, not having the best fit for me. And so I started reading these articles um, on LinkedIn from this woman named Liz Ryan. Yeah. Have, yeah. Have you read her? Yeah, book? I follow her. Yeah. And yep. she had like some really great messages about kind of finding your voice and, yep. you know, understanding your worth, but then also being really protective of your old salary and mm-hmm. not telling people about it. Cause it doesn't matter because the job is the different job. Correct. And some of the stuff, like you said about being very firm and providing a range and, mm-hmm. you know, sticking to that. And you're so right. When you do get through the recruiting process and you're like, man, I really want this person. Yeah, you do. Cause you come off more confident and you're right. It has their job they have now or used to have has nothing to do with this particular new job at a new company. Um, so I, I hate asking that question, but I always have to ask on the phone interview just to make sure we're in the same ballpark or else we're just going to waste everyone's time. Right. Um, and there's a number of different ways that you could answer it. Um, and it, you could just say, you know, I, I don't feel comfortable answering that right now. That's fine. I get it. Uh, at some point you will have to, but... Would you ask, what is your current salary? Or do you ask, like, what is your target? Yeah, I ask, like, what sort of compensation package are you looking for? So anything from what salary are you hoping for for this new position? Is there a bonus that you have in mind on top of that? Obviously, we have, like, a full benefits package, so that's always part of it. Um, Do you have any relocation assistance that you need? 
I try to get the whole package from them then so yeah. I know how we're going to move forward. Well, that's a fair question to ask, though, where it's like, what are you yeah. looking for? Not like, tell me, your, pull up your yeah. security statement and tell me everything you've made. Right. <laughs> it's, yeah, tell me all about what your 401k looks like, please. <laughs> I love it. So we talked a little bit about um, kind of our LinkedIn reading and stuff, but what kind mm-hmm. of podcasts and books are you into right now? Oh my God. I love podcasts. Good. You're I love podcasts so much. And (laughs) I have a coworker who I swear to you every day. I'm like, Hey, guess what I learned on my podcast? Because I listen to so many different ones. There's so many good ones. I know. So my favorite one is probably criminal. Okay. Um, first off, the lady has the most relaxing voice I've ever heard in my life. If I ever had another kid, I'd want her there to coach me through it. That sounds nice. She's good. And she talks about crimes that aren't what you think they will be um so for instance like the first episode um this guy's up for murder for his wife um long story short and plot spoiler an owl did it so they go into like yeah it took this weird twist they all take really weird twists um an owl had swooped down on his wife when she was outside um in their yard and basically killed her um, and I guess this is somewhat common. What? Yeah. So I've learned so much on that podcast. Um, and then I also love a new one called This Is Love. It's by the same lady. And it's just about different love stories. That's highly, highly recommend. And then um, do you know who Hillary Kerr is? No. Okay. So she started Who, What, Where. Okay. Like the, like the fashion line at Target and they have some other companies. Um, she just started a podcast called Second Life. And I think it's just for women. Um, and it's basically like how they got started. So she did one with like Candace Olson, who started Sprinkles Bakery. Mm-hmm. That was super interesting. And then she just did one with Jen Atkin that does like the hair for Kardashians. Yep. Um, really interesting. She asked really good questions. Um, and so it's just like an interview and just hearing their stories and whatnot. And I love it. See, that's one of my favorite things about podcasts too, is that the way I've heard it described is that it's, um, lean back listening, Mm -hmm. whereas other avenues are lean in, like you have to really be engaged with it. Yeah. So like drive time and some people, I can't, but some people can work and listen to them at the same time. No, I can't either. No, I would stop writing the words. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I have like a 40 minute commute. So they've become my new best friends. Mm-hmm. The, there's this one I really like. I mean, I've listened to the cereal and all those sorts of things and they're great. Oh, yeah. Too. Cereal. But mm-hmm. um, Stuff You Should Know. Oh, it, it's literally what's called Stuff You Should Know. And they have a lot of episodes. So, so it, it's enough that you're like, eh, I'm not interested in that. But there's more that keep coming. Yeah. And they just kind of delve into the research behind you know, a topic like, like for Black History Month, they did one on Harriet Tubman. They did one on the Underground Railroad. And I'm driving on, I'm sure my face was so dumb looking because I'm like, what? Oh my God. Yeah, so that's, yeah. that's the stuff I would like. I love random facts or just like learning about, there's another one called Foodstuffs. And mm-hmm. you just learned, like I learned one whole episode of how champagne was made or like discovered. Um, and it was actually discovered by accident. And they were trying to make champagne not happen what um yeah so they hired this is no joke they hired dom perignon to make champagne stop happening 
he couldn't so he just named it for himself and here we are (laughs) that's amazing it's so crazy it was an accident I would like to admit something on accident (laughs) I know and then sell it for $200 a bottle yeah he's like look you don't want this this is trash bye yeah it was the craziest thing I loved it (laughs) that's funny and then books I read a lot so each year I make a goal for reading normally it's like 12 books, like a book a month. Mm-hmm. And then after Emma, I tried for eight books, but I got 10. And this year, my goal is eight books, and I'm already done with five. That's awesome. I've been, I have to make a very conscious decision at like 9 p.m. when I go to bed. I'll lay in bed for about an hour, and I don't pick up my phone. So I can stay off social media and read. That's my goal. That's hard. It is. And on this year, I'm trying to read books that I normally wouldn't. I really love sounds so terrible I love like depressing stories <laughs> I really do did you read like back when you'd have like the scholastic book fairs like the Lurling McDaniel books no I didn't but free- book fair week was like the best <laughs> I oh, always read those ones and the girl would like get cancer or like somebody would die it was always like of course the guy saves her and all the girls we were like let's read these <laughs> yeah so like all the light you cannot see that was so sad loved it uh the help kind of sad loved it anything where like people just have really inspiring stories of like survival or like what all they've seen but they've made it out like I love those stories that sounds better than than saying I like the sad ones well they are sad though like I read especially after Emma I read this other book and it was the beginning of I think World War II and this mom couldn't feed like her child and the the, the little boy ended up dying and I about put it down I was like I can't like everything in me has changed I can't enjoy these stories anymore um so it's changed a little bit but I just really I don't like happy go lucky stories where everything works out perfect because that's not life Right. So I'm not out here reading Nicholas Sparks. Uh, I like more depth and sadness. <laughs> and tragedy. I like tragedy. Um, another podcast you should check out, like, I love the Harvard Business Review Ooh. and the McKinsey ones, which part of me is like, am I just trying to be aspirational and fancy here? Because there's no way I could get into Harvard. <laughs> I'm gonna, I haven't even heard of that one, so I'm going to oh, definitely look that up. Yeah, so... A lot of the Harvard ones reflect back on the um, publication, the Harvard Business okay. Review, which is super expensive. So yeah, good, So it's a good way to kind of get the research behind all the things that they're talking about without having to pay for it. Oh, but, that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, and they're normally like 20 to 40 minutes, so pretty easy to fit in on a commute. Mm-hmm. But they have this limited run one that they might be bringing back that's called Women at Work. Oh, and it's really good. So it's um, hosted by three of the editors of the publication. And so they kind of have some kind of host to host banter and discussion, but then various um, interviews that take place within it and they focus on certain topics. Um, And they're they've been really interesting because they're kind of focusing on, you know, what is it like to be a woman at work today? all the way to negotiations and having your voice heard at work. And it's been really helpful. And like most of the, my team that works for me are women. And Uh so I've kind of been like sending them texts, like, listen, you should listen to this. This is good because I don't want to be polarizing to the guys we work with, but 
right. good stuff to remember as they grow in their careers and interact with, you know, different department departments. Yeah, and making yeah, sure that good. they speak up and just encourage them to kind of grow that way. But kind of going back to the negotiation stuff we talked about earlier, um, the last one that they had had some um, kind of reader questions and stuff that they had recorded, which was kind of cool. Um, mm-hmm. But they had a researcher on that had talked about negotiating and kind of like, what's your perception at work and what kind of stuff can you get away with? And um, in negotiating, they said that the person who makes the first offer usually gets more out of it. So for example, if your friend is saying, Hey, I want 60. And she says, I want 60 first before the company says, Hey, we'll pay you 50. Yeah. Um, they usually get more if they make the first offer, yep. but they're less satisfied. Hmm. And if you make the second offer, you typically get less, but usually more satisfied. I would. Yeah. That's so interesting. I think that, you know, the reason truth to it. Do you know the reason no. though? No, they said the woman or person who does the first offer is less satisfied because she's been more stressed about making the first offer. Ah. And so you sit there and you're like, oh, I'm going to say 60. I'm going to say 60. Just like you said, she was consulting with you. Like, are you sure? You know, yeah. number. But, but if you're reacting, you kind of at least have a baseline. Okay, they at least thought it was worth 50. So, you know, what can I ask for? I kind of wonder, though, if I would be that way. I think I might be opposite than what they think. I, I would feel proud of, like, sticking to my guns, you know? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm going to give that a whirl. <laughs> yeah, those are good ones. So you should make time to read, which is mm-hmm. amazing. And I've been trying to do the same thing, too, as far as, like, get off the phone. Yeah. And put a tracking app on my phone to make sure. Yeah, I, I heard that. Yeah. I'm like, what's good? what is acceptable? You app, you need to tell me, like, what's bad. But I don't know. It, it's at least making me be more mindful. I'm not sure what's the right thing yeah. here, but it's, it's making me think about it, which is a step in the right direction. That's true. What yeah. other stuff do you do for yourself? I love baths. Mm. Real big on baths. And uh, Emma's been going to bed lately around 7.38. Oh, my gosh. So it's a, it's a dream. It's truly a dream. I feel like I've made it as a mom because of that. Um, and I will say um, one of the best things that I learned right after she was born was about this book called um, Baby Wise. Mm-hmm. It looks super outdated on the cover. And we were having a really hard time getting Emma on a schedule because we didn't know what we were doing. Um, so I read that book. It's pretty easy read. You kind of just, I don't think I even finished it because you just get so far, you kind of get what they're saying. Yeah. Um, it was a lifesaver and helping create a schedule and a routine for her. Um, and so she started sleeping through the night at like nine weeks, right. When I went back to work, um, and she slept through the night consistently since then, unless she's sick or something. Um, what a good girl. So like now <laughs> I know. Now she'll sleep from about 7.38 to about 7 a.m. That's incredible. It is. And I really, truly credit that book with it because it just tells you, like, baby psychology, basically, of, like, here's why they're doing this and here's what you can do and make sure you do this and don't feed them when they're sleepy because they're too sleepy to finish. So then they're going to wake up and it's like, well, duh. Mm-hmm. But you don't But you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. 
I need, so to, I, will, I need to read uh, that again because I read it before she was born. And I was like, all right, hurry up and get this because it was like it crunched. <laughs> yeah. And- I read it a month after she was born. And it it's it just like a friend texted me and was like, hey, you know, I heard on Facebook you were having issues. Try this. It really helped us. I immediately downloaded it on my Kindle and I've been thankful ever since. Yeah. She's doing a lot better now, but we I probably waited too long to switch her to having formula oh probably because i was like no i have plenty but it was like maybe not <laughs> yeah she was that was hungry tough. yeah but it was just kind of like an ego issue for me is being like well i i want to feed her <laughs> yeah i did that for i nursed for like five months the first five months almost exclusively the first four months and then we started putting formula in um just because i was getting so busy at work i didn't have time looking looking back I should have made more time I just didn't Mm -hmm. um and then also early on the best thing my husband ever did to me and to this day like I owe him um he did all the late night feedings with Emma basically what once my milk came in um so every 3 a.m like clockwork he would get up feed her the bottle so one I could sleep almost six hours in a row which was super great. And then also she learned how to take a bottle very early on. So she, early on, she was fine with the bottle or the breast, That's which great. was really helpful. Yeah. And I don't think at the time we realized how good that was until we then were like, oh, shoot, Bailey's coming. Like, hopefully everything will be okay because, you know, she's not going to have a boob to breastfeed. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that transition worked really smoothly, but I don't think we knew that we did that on purpose you're like we're smart we didn't even realize (laughs) yeah looking back I'm like what a great idea we had (laughs) as long as you share it with other soon-to-be parents yeah exactly but I know some people want to you know be like you said you want to be the one that feeds her and be exclusive feeder um I just would pump a bottle purely so I could sleep um and I think Matt also really liked that bonding time that he got to have with her. Yeah. Um so it worked out. So clever. So what about here here's this is the time for you to help me, right? <laughs> like, All right. So I don't know about you. I always love seeing your clothes and I think that you have like a really nice sense of style. But I think something happened after like my favorite clothing store kind of was like, this might be a little too young for me, you know, years mm-hmm. and years ago. Right. Mm-hmm. But I've always been a person that's like, I shop at this store and this is the store I like. And I buy all yep. the things from this store. And that's my, that's my style. I just pick the store and that's it. So yep. like high school, college, all about the Abercrombie. And then, mm-hmm. mm, now we're on to J crew, you know, outlet, not regular. Uh, yeah. That's expensive. Yeah. And then like, banana republic and mm-hmm. then something happened what professional clothes i loved uh the limited but that's mm-hmm. now a weird online thing i haven't explored yeah and i just had a time and a half and maybe it's just because you know over the years haven't worked out the way i used to mm-hmm. and now it's like mom bod mm-hmm. and trying to be like i can i know what to wear to work mm-hmm. off time is like i don't know pants like <laughs> what are you yeah wearing? and so especially going back to work now I'm like okay I need to go back and get some different work clothes but I'm not really trying to to you know that certain style right now and 
just yeah. try to make things work. So I've been trying to figure out, is there a place you can go that has like nice people that will be like, hi, we're going to talk to you about your actual body, not your aspirational body, your actual body and help you pick things that are going to look nice and also make you not look like a potato. Hmm. There's not a place like that. I don't think. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the only responses I've gotten back are like, okay, you can do a styling thing at Nordstrom, which is free and you can block time to do it, but I'm not going to buy. Yeah, exactly. I'd love to. Don't get me wrong, but that's unreasonable. I think I'm pretty boring with my style. I know what works. So, like, I got a pair of these really, I don't even know why I bought them, but really random pair of, like, maroon dress pants Mm -hmm. from Old Navy of all places. They fit perfect. And they are just a fun color. So, I got them in, like, two other colors. And I am a big believer in kind of, like, the capsule wardrobe. Do you wear, like... I'm I'm actively trying to get to that. Ooh. I don't have it at all down to that. But if you think about it, like for me, I wear the same exact stuff like on a two-week basis. And then I just wear it again a different way. So I'm already like doing it, but I have all these other options in my closet that don't fit right. Um, I don't want to get rid of them though. But then they just like overwhelm me. Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to get at the point where I have, you know, a few pair of jeans um, some work outfits that I can just mix and match. I'm pretty plain and simple anyways. I just always have been. Um, I like to have cardigans in different colors so I can just mix and match those. So I'm trying to get to that point because I'm just not, I love the trendier stuff, but I, then I wear it one time and I don't wear it again. That's true. So I'm actively pinning uh, capsule wardrobe ideas okay. and someday I will get there. Well, and it's it's a smart thing too, because especially if you're trying to get ready for work, or now you got it's so easy. Ready, yeah. Uh huh. And and I think we all automatically kind of end up picking the same things because we're like that mm-hmm. feels good or it looks nice, yep. and it's just emotional to get rid of clothes that you're like, it is. I don't fit this, but I like it. Or yeah. I wish this was cute on me, but it's not. Yep. Or it. Uh, yeah, I have so many clothes that, although I think yeah I do weigh less than I did before I got pregnant with Emma my whole body's different right so like it's just like a whole new ball game and like whatever yeah it's like so I just (laughs) stick to what works and that's good to hear you found something nice at Old Navy too because I've seen there's a handful of like I guess it's called them like mom bloggers but they're not like yeah they're not like do a craft moms they're like yeah yeah cute outfit moms um, <laughs> I, um, I follow a few of them and I've gotten a lot of ideas from those An old Navy, uh, maternity clothes online. They don't have much in the store, but online, they were a savior to me. They had such wonderful things and they weren't so expensive. I wish I had known that. Cause I just went to the target maternity section and just bought yeah. like all the stuff, which is fine. Yeah. But the way that I was pregnant was like weird. Look- <laughs> I say weird looking, but um, well, you didn't show for a while. No, I didn't show for a while. So I was able to like kind of make do with some things. I showed overnight. <laughs> and then like was so big by six months that people thought I was having twins or I was due soon. And of then course. I just plateaued. You're yeah. You're like, that's it. I've just, that's the, that's the size. I'm like, no, I've got three months left, but thanks. <laughs> You're like, please, please don't move anymore, but maybe. 
Yeah. She just scrunched in a little ball for you. Yeah, she did. <laughs> All right. Well, we're getting close on time, but I want to ask you four questions. Okay. Um, we talked about your job and kind of how you've built this, you know, recruiting kind of department platform, yep. and your, your vision and kind of getting to the point of having a well-oiled machine, but what's your, what's your goal for this year? For work I think my goal for this year so I want to do something new and I don't quite know that I know what that looks like yet um I don't know if it's a new position within where I work now or learning a new skill where I work um I've even thought about starting classes for my PHR it's like extremely hard HR exam so mm-hmm. I want to be careful not to take on too much while Emma's little but I just want to do something new. I, I don't have something in mind. It could be learning, you know, how to do a talent assessment or something that will just help me take my career to that next level. That's exciting, though. There's a lot of possibilities. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Now, tell me, out of anybody, could be anybody, celebrity, unattainable, attainable, whatever, who would you most like to have lunch with and why? My girl, Ina Garten. Ooh. I love her. She would be a very calming presence to me. You know there would be good food. And her house looks really nice, so I'd hope that this lunch would be at her house because I want to go to the Hamptons too. Mm -hmm. But it would just be like the ultimate, like, just tell me all about – I would, like, interview her at lunch because she is just so fascinating to me. And so calming. So if I'm going to have a lunch away, I want it to be calming with good food. I love that. And she has such an interesting kind of career path. She is. Yeah. She's like, you know what? I'm going to quit the White House. I just really want to start this bakery, even though I've never done anything with it before. It's like, who are you? And she nailed it. Yeah. Right. I know. And she doesn't even watch herself on TV. She's my favorite. It's like she thinks it turned out well. (laughs) Well, those paychecks are coming in, so... (laughs) Yes, so I pick her. So, so is you? I know it's not attainable, but would you like Matt to come with you and go on a date with Ina and Jeffrey? Would that be fun? Oh my god, <laughs> I didn't think about that because I love Jeffrey. He's so cute. And Matt would talk economics with him because Matt's a nerd. Oh my gosh, I know that would be I'm, so fun for both of us. Like the dream date. Like it really is. It really is. It'll be the next contest. Like. HGTV dream home plus also date with Ina and Jeffrey. Dude Network should really think about doing that. They really should. I so know. what's your what's your real date night that you like to do? So we don't have like a go to. Um, however, we haven't. I don't know what happened. I don't think we've even had like a proper date night since Emma's been born. Oh my gosh. Um, where we haven't taken Emma. I'm trying to think. I know we've done stuff like gone to Lowe's or whatever and I do enjoy going to Lowe's um but this Friday we have a proper date night planned with two of our friends and so I'm really excited because we're going to go to a nice restaurant in Finley it's one of my favorites and then there's like a bourbon bar in Finley that opened and we're going there afterwards so I'm excited that'll be so fun I know it's like the first date night but my dream date night and something I do want to do this year is one of those like cooking classes Ooh. Yeah, I really want to do that. Well, when you have to stay home, or when you get to stay home, rather, what's your fast dinner that you can get done so you can just play with Emma before she goes to bed? 
Girl, I can get tacos done in 12 minutes. What kind of or- crazy tacos are these? Um, well, if you have your beef already thawed out in the fridge, you just cook up your beef, throw your taco shells. We like hard shells, throw them in the oven for a couple minutes. I can chop up that lettuce and tomato and avocado. I can have that all done in 12 minutes flat. I just did it last Friday. You're a queen. That, I mean, that's like my, and who doesn't love tacos? Stupid people. Right? <laughs> so, yeah, I've, I even, like, timed myself on time because I knew I could do it pretty quick, but I, I was even surprised to know it was 12 minutes. Yeah. You're like, take that, Rachel Ray. 30 minutes is my butt. <laughs> yeah. I can do it in 15. You brown that meat and you chop those toppings and you're done. Now, do you get the packet of the seasoning or do your own? I've been doing my own and I found a really great recipe for it on, like, I think I just Googled, like, taco seasoning. I think I went to allrecipes.com. Mm-hmm. It is so much better than the packet stuff. And you can just make it in bulk and use, like, a tablespoon here and there. I'm gonna- so it lasts a while, but it's so much better. I'm doing that this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> highly recommend. Well, I've had an absolute blast talking with you, Haley. Thank you for joining me. Yes. Thank you. Have it was awesome- fun. Have an awesome night. You too. Bye. Thank you for joining me on After Daycare Drop-Off. I hope you enjoyed getting to know Haley, learning all about the recruitment process, how to advocate for yourself for your salary, and what you're worth. Be sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at After Daycare Drop-Off for inspiration, updates from the show, and more. Take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and share with your friends. Until next time.